Hey, it's Ryan Reynolds, and I'm here with Keith, co-star of my upcoming film, If, only in theaters May 17th. Do you want to tell people the big news? All right, I'll do. Sign up now and you'll get unlimited for $15 a month in six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan on us. Mintmobile.com slash switch. Upfront payment of $45 equivalent to $15 per month. Unlimited over 40 gigabytes per month. Face lower speeds. Videos at 480p. Active Mint customers by 531.24 get six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan. Auto renews after six months. Offer ends May 31st, 2024. Separate Paramount Plus registration required. Terms and conditions apply if rated PG. Ryan Reynolds here from Mint Mobile. With the price of just about everything going up during inflation, we thought we'd bring our prices down. So to help us, we brought in a reverse auctioneer, which is apparently a thing. Mint Mobile Unlimited Premium Wireless. Ready to get 30, 30, ready to get 30, ready to get 20, 20, 20, ready to get 20, 20, ready to get 15, 15, 15, 15, just 15 bucks a month. So give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Connecting to the big show. In three, two, one. We are in no position to be able to defend ourselves in any way whatsoever. Ireland is defenseless. Every time that it happens, we have to talk about how the good men feel. Help us. Without G backing us, putting it on the air and telling the people how important it is, then it wouldn't have gone anywhere. We're the one for Cork and ready to talk. Can we just talk? Call 0818-969696. Extra WhatsApp 083-396-9696. Email opinion at 96fm.ie. The lines are live. Let's kickstart the conversation. This is the Opinion Line with PJ Coogan. On Cork's 96FM. Yeah, we're keeping a watching eye on uh, on Boris. Uh, I, I, if he goes, he goes. If he doesn't, he doesn't. But it's getting... It's getting difficult for him over there now. It's only 50 something people have now resigned from roles in, in his government. 50 something of them, like, including a number of cabinet ministers. And he's sitting there going, Nah, I'm not going. Can I have another bag of quavers? I'm not going. I'm going nowhere. I'm going nowhere. If anything does happen, we'll we let you know. I'll also tell you in a minute the Cork TDs, who look like they might be ganging up on Michal Martin. There's a story this morning in the Irish Daily Mail about that. Uh, and three Cork TDs would appear to be among a gang of them ganging up on me hall. Let's see where that goes. Good morning to you. 0818 96 96 96. Your text to WhatsApp is 083 396 96 96. Indeed, your voice messages come to that number as well. Uh, let's go first, though, to uh, Cork Sinn Féin TD Dulaca O'Leara. There was an announcement made on Monday with regard to back-to-school allowances for children. And it's to be increased and more people will be eligible. And it's movement. But it's it's not enough, Donica, is it? Good morning, in your view, anyway. Good morning, PJ. Yeah, well, look, I suppose we spoke on Monday and uh, this package was announced. Um, it was actually Tuesday, I think. It was just, it was literally about an hour before our motion on, um, on back-to-school Um on our proposals, and I outlined to you on Monday what we were talking about, and we were talking about a number of things. But look, I do want to welcome the fact that the government have taken on board um, one of our proposals, at least, if not two. Um, we, 
I suppose uh, up until Tuesday, the attitude of the government was that everything needed to wait until the budget. And I'm glad that they've come off that because clearly back to school costs couldn't wait. And they've acknowledged that now themselves. They've come off that position. They've been forced to listen to what the public, what Sinn Féin have been saying, that clearly back to school costs, it's hundreds and hundreds, if not over a thousand euro for some families. There was a piece in yesterday's Echo uh, outlining one mother who had uh, who had massive costs altogether. Um, and, you know, that that can simply not wait and people need assistance. The problem is, is that so they have increased the back to school allowance by 100 euro uh, for those who already get it. But mm. the problem is that the income threshold is very, very low for that. So it cuts off an awful lot of low and middle income earners. Um, if you have a combined household income of 620 euro, anything above that, um, you will not qualify. And that works out at about 32,000 euro a year. That's not a big income. Mm. And that's a combined household income, bear in mind. There's a that's lot not of even the average industrial wage, Donovan. No, it's not. No, it's a considerable bit below the, the average industrial wage. It's, um, you know, there's an awful lot of people in very ordinary jobs who will be struggling, who will be wondering whether they need to go to the credit union, whether they need to go to the money lender, what they can afford to do this summer. Um who fall into that category and won't get help under these proposals. So, um, look, while I welcome what the government has brought in, and obviously I don't object to any of it, it's a lot of the kind of things that we have been calling for, and I mm. think pressure counted, um, but implement that by all means, but don't stop there. I would be urging the government, please keep looking at this. There is scope there to help low and middle income earners that don't qualify. Mm. Um, it's an existing scheme. It's just about increasing the income thresholds yeah. uh, and doing the same means right. test You're- as you're proposing on. to bring in households with a combined income of 80,000 or less. Now, that's how you'll be spending an awful lot of money there, Donica. Where would you get it? Well, it's worth bearing in mind, I suppose, that this is a one-off payment. So it's not like increasing a social welfare payment over the course of a year. This is a payment that's paid out once in a year. So um, it would be 120 million. But in the context of the scale of what's spent on social welfare in a year uh, and, you know, in the context of the crisis that people are facing, I do think that that is necessary. Like it's it's when you look at the bills that people are f- facing. I saw the the Irish League of Credit Unions had a report out yesterday that was outlining that the average cost at primary school is almost a thousand euro. I think and above that for secondary school. Like I mean, look, some yeah. parents will have fees less than that, but many will have some a bit over that. So in the context of the pressures people are under, and like this is happening at the same time that fuel prices are going up, that food prices yeah, are yeah. going up. The space, the space does exist. Um, we thought we'd be in a deficit of a few billion this time, or late last year. We're now in a surplus of one point three billion. Clearly, we have the money, so even if it is only through an overdependence on on corporation tax. Clearly, we 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 do have the money. Uh, it's kind of a squeezed middle issue, really, isn't it? It is. It is, and even uh, probably to some extent at the lower end of the squeezed middle. But these are people, I suppose, that that uh, by and large are working, that uh, pay their taxes, that don't get anything back from the system. And obviously, look, everyone should pay their taxes, but we want people to be able to benefit from what they pay in as well. Uh, And I think that that's right. I agree with the government giving uh, the extra help that they're giving to people who who are on the lowest incomes, and that is something that we call for. Those who need the most help should get the most help. Mm -hmm. But there are people out there that deserve assistance that are really, really struggling. Under the present circumstances, a lot more people will struggle than would normally struggle. Donica, while I have you there, there's a breaking story coming now from the political editor of the Daily Mirror, uh, Pippa Crerar, saying 
are indicating that a letter is either being written or has been written uh, for Boris Johnson and that he'll be gone by the end of the day. That's the rumour circulating from number 10. I know that Sinn Féin would have no great love for Mr Johnson, but what would you think? Is, is he gone? Is he finished? I think so, yeah. I think probably the by-elections paid for him, PJ, if you can't hold on to those new Labour seats that they picked up in the North and at the same time if you can't hold on to safe Tory seats in the South I'm not sure there was any great personal loyalty to him it was about that he was an electoral asset and he's yeah. probably ceased to be an electoral asset so the Tories want to get rid of him yeah. I'm and not also, sure that I look at the I'm not sure I look at any of the contenders for the leadership and have any great faith in any no. of them but it's, it's, but it's, it's the scandals that I seem to have got to him in the end just one last thing there's a yes. list of three Fianna Fáil TDs in the Irish Daily Mail today who were among a meeting held at Lancer House yesterday uh, discussing Micheál Martin's future be, the, be, the Taoiseach being your constituency colleague do you think he's fairly safe? Well, look, I, I haven't read that article, uh, and look, that's a matter for the for the Fianna Fáil party. Uh, we, I didn't vote for him as Taoiseach. Oh, I wouldn't no, vote for him today as Taoiseach, and I, I wouldn't vote for him uh, in the future as Taoiseach. So, uh, look, he's he, we, the government doesn't have our support. We don't have confidence in them. Yeah. What Fianna Fáil decide to do in relation to their leader is very much a matter right. for themselves. Right. For our part, rather than a changeover of Taoiseach late this year, we would like to see a general election, and I think a lot of your listeners would too, PJ. Yeah. Maybe they'll tell me they will or they won't. Donica, thank you, Donica Lira, Sinn Féin TD. For Cork South Central, their education spokesman. Yeah, I don't know if you've read that story. It's in the Irish Daily Mail this morning. They went into quite an amount of detail about this meeting that was held in Leinster House yesterday. While Michal was over in Ukraine at the invitation of uh, President Zelensky... Um, and three Cork TDs were at that meeting. I'll tell you who they were in a while... 0818969696. Now we are headed for a warm weekend. It's still too cloudy for comfort, but we are headed for a warm weekend. Uh, Metairn says Cork will be hotter than Madeira, with temperatures up to about 24 degrees. Uh, Cork would be nice at 24. Cork is gorgeous at 24 degrees. It would be lovely, and if the sky cleared and we get a bit of heat, proper heat, it would be great. But the one thing that you don't want to be doing is leaving a child in a car in that kind of temperature. You probably shouldn't leave a child in a car unaccompanied anyway at any time. But hey, look, we've all done that for a minute or two. But it can be very dangerous, very dangerous if you leave a child in a car at those kind of temperatures. Victor Shine from uh, Cork City Fire Service. Very dangerous, Victor. They can become very distressed very quickly. Good morning. Good morning, PJ. Absolutely correct. And the, the numbers and the statistics are staggering of the number of uh, children and animals and the elderly being left alone in cars and particularly going into the hotter climates now. So some of the statistics, for example, on average, 450 people a year or children a year would be locked into a car. So that's in excess of one a day. Now, most of these cases, um, or the other agencies, for example, the Automobile Association and so on, would extricate the, the child from that car. But on other occasions, it's a more distressing situation. The child may be asleep or semi-conscious inside the vehicle where we're called and we have to do forcible entries into this vehicle then and perhaps to carry out a medical aid to the child as well, you know. So, but um, it's a staggering number. And... 
again, globally, the statistics would suggest that 15% of these cases, the parents or guardians are leaving the child deliberately in the car to carry out the task, going into a shop, a quick errand, whatever it might be. Mm. But, um, you know, so that would be deliberate. I, I read a very tragic story of of a case in the States where it was fatal and the child had only been left alone for about five minutes. Exactly. You, you were mentioning the, the temperatures rising there now in excess of uh, 24 degrees externally, but inside in the car with the windows closed, that's going to increase dramatically in that period of time in excess maybe of 30 degrees. So, And, and again, with fuel costs and stuff, uh, people aren't leaving the cars with their engines running, with the air conditioning on and so on, and yep. with security, not leaving the windows open. So the best advice is you don't leave anybody or anything in a car unattended. Okay. Now, if you come up across a car with a child in it and you sense the child might be distressed, are you entitled as a member of the public to take action by doing something like break the window or would you be guilty of criminal damage? There's a question. That's a very good point. Um, Even when we're doing a forcible entry... um, we would, if we thought there was no immediate danger to the child or animal in, in the vehicle, uh, we would call the guardie and leave them take control over the, the legal aspects of the, the entry into the vehicle. Obviously, if we thought there was an immediate distress, um, we have specialised tools that we will use to get into the car, like car braking on, in a legal fashion using particular devices and so on, or even if we're going to brake class we will put a protective film over the glass so that when we break it, you haven't got shards of glass going in. I've seen that. It comes out in one piece. It's a marvellous piece of tech, yeah. That's exactly it, yep. So uh, PAC-X, that's the the device we use. So it's like a a cling film that you stick to the window and the glass all stays on that. But um, it's not very common that we have to do those forcible entries. Generally, uh, we go there, we can open the cars in a safe manner. But it's the... The technologies that we're coming across uh, with the modern car now, how you can set cars to lock automatically or one door, all doors and so on. Yeah. And But the most common mistake that's made is giving uh, the child the, the fob or the keys to play with while the child is in the car. The parent or guardian gets out of the car, closes the door, the car then locks automatically or the, or the child presses the lock and now we have a situation with the child in the car and you're trying to encourage the child to do various actions like open the window or, you know, press a button on the key fob. So in most cases, 56% of cases, it's an accidental uh, lock-in to the vehicle. And this, by the way, we're talking vehicles at the moment. It happens in houses as well, in rooms of houses, particularly bathrooms, where the key is turned and the door is locked and we get to have to extricate children out of those situations. But... um, Coming up to the summer months, it's our concern is with the heat that can develop inside the vehicle. Very quickly. Okay, yeah. with very quickly, not having ventilation and so on. And um, heat stroke is, is the concern that we would have in that situation. Okay. Listen, Victor, thank you, Victor Shine, second officer with Cork City Fire Brigade. Yeah, houses are a problem as well. Heat building up, and it can build up quickly, and we're not used to heat in this part of the world. You watch it, watch, right? Watch, just watch. Saturday, Sunday, looking at 24 degrees. Just watch. They'll be complaining on Sunday that it's too hot, like, it's too hot. Oh, they will. And it'll boil my blood when they do. But on a serious note, it's dangerous, 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 dangerous to leave children in cars or dogs in cars.
dogs in cars. I mean, they've got a fur coat on, the poor devils. Just don't do that. 0818 96 96 96. BBC are just breaking. And they've got a banner across their screen. BBC are just breaking confirmation that Boris Johnson will rely, will resign later. That's according to a source telling the BBC Boris Johnson will resign later today. Simon Murdoch and the best music mix. Weekdays from midday on Cork's 96FM. Flying you through your afternoons in Cork with all the best tunes, latest news, trending stories, and it really is a summer of concerts on Lee Side. I've got the tickets for you. Did you enjoy the gig? Oh my God, outstanding. I would go to another one tonight if I could afford to. You sound a little bit hoarse there. Uh. A little bit, yeah. I kind of did try and sing a few songs now that I'm very good. In the Hall of Fame! <laughs> <laughs> Simon Murdoch, midday to 4 p.m. With Ford Gosh Energy, a summer boiler service keeps you warm in the winter. So get a great deal with FordGoshEnergy.ie. On Cork's 96FM. Cork's 96FM Best of Cork Awards. With LocalHeroes.ie. For trusted tradespeople with a 12-month warranty. Backed by Ford Gosh Energy. It's about damn time to celebrate. Yeah, who's the best breakfast? Best barber? Tradesperson? Takeaway, bar, beauty salon, best hotel. Go to 96fm.ie right now. Nominate your favourites. There's also a €5,000 media campaign from Cork's 96FM up for grabs this year. The excitement is mounting. Best of Cork Awards with localheroes.ie. Your place to find trusted gas boiler installers and plumbers and electricians and much, much more in the awards brought to you only by Cork's 96 FM 0818 96 96 96 as I say if anything happens immediately in Downing Street we will let you know but Ryan O'Keefe and Owen Carroll uh, join me now to talk about a major effort uh, fundraising effort um, Ryan there you are good morning to you good morning to you too now you and your brother have been inseparable since yeah. you were small kids. But what's what's happening? To, what's been happening with, with Shane? Uh, so on the 2nd of May, basically, um, I was actually away at the time, but he was, he's after buying a site to build a house right. up in Ryan, and he was working on the site, and basically, long story short, a, a tree came down, a 120-foot tree, and it, when it came down, two of the branches caught onto another tree and it flung it and it crushed him between that and another tree. Now this is this tree was probably nearly a metre in diameter. Wow. So quite a large tree. The only person on site was his father-in-law and he was standing roughly 30 to 40 feet away. So he ran up and he tried to push the tree away. Obviously being a very heavy tree he couldn't Luckily enough, they had a digger on site with a grab for trees. So he ran. That was about 120 feet away, as far as I know. So all in all, by the time he got there and took the tree off, it was about six minutes. And this is completely crushed across his chest. Um, So they got the tree off, kind of expected that he'd regain consciousness. 
but he just hit the ground. Um, at this stage, they're on the phone to emergency services, and nobody knew the air code to the site. Nobody had a clue where they were. Well, they did have. A, they had a clue where they were, but they didn't know what to describe because they were in such a panic. The neighbours didn't know the air code. But basically, the emergency services kept on the phone, and they kind of were roughly working out the location so they could send out the air ambulance and the fire brigade and the normal ambulance. Eventually, they got the air code, and then their ambulance arrived. Soon after that, they had to circle twice to find a place to land, and they eventually landed in the field behind the site. Right. right. Um, then he was on the floor. He was pretty much unresponsive. He couldn't breathe. He was just kind of struggling on the ground. So the paramedic of the air ambulance made a couple of incisions on his body to relieve um, pressure around his lung. Yeah. But it wasn't really, like, he wasn't getting any better. So eventually they got him into the helicopter and they got him to UH really quickly. When he got there, it was kind of nobody knew what injuries he had. Um, he had to be put on life support immediately. Then... They, then he um, he started regaining consciousness a small bit, right. but they had to put him into a coma for three days because they were, weren't sure of the severity of the of the injury. Yeah, how is Look, he? How is he now, Ryan? Um, he's he's mobile now. Um, he's not right, and he won't be right for a long time. But he's alive. He's very close to death. Like yeah. there's so many small factors that could have made him die that day. Like, if he was on his own, he was dead. If if the air ambulance wasn't there, I'm sure he would be dead. Yeah. This is another, yet another save we're hearing yeah. about the air ambulance. It's just such a wonderful, wonderful service. So, you now want to say thank you, don't you? Oh, we do, yeah. yeah. We do. So, we're trying to, um, we're trying to raise as much money as possible for the air ambulance. And Owen approached us about doing a fundraiser so he set up to go fund me with a, I think, a, a reasonably, we thought it was a lot of money at the time, and we thought there's no way we're going to hit a thousand euro, but within 24 hours, we had raised a thousand euro. Yeah. And I can't thank Owen enough for all the efforts he's doing and going to, doing the Mongol rally. Yeah. That's no mean thing. Well, I'll, I'll bring him in there, Ryan, he can tell us about that, that himself. Owen, good morning. Owen Carroll. Oh, here he is. You there? Morning, PJ. Good man. Now, you're going to drive in the Mongol Rally. Where and what is that? So, it's a, a charity rally. We were originally supposed to go to Mongolia, but we can't do that at the moment because there are certain countries the borders closed. So, they changed it a little bit, and it's now called the, the Mongol Rally, the Poles of Inconvenience. So, we're going to drive unsupported from Cork to Georgia in our mighty 1.2 handed jazz. <laughs> so there's about, so there's four rules um, for the rally. So your car, it has to be under 1.2. Uh, it has to be as unsuitable as possible. So like no Jeeps, no 4 by 4 that kind of stuff. Um, the second rule is if you break down, you're on your own. There's no ringing rally HQ or ringing the AA to give you a dig out. Right. Um, and then you have to get to these predetermined 
very inaccessible locations all over Europe and Asia. And how long will it take to drive, I presume from Cork to Georgia, in a 1.2 Honda Jazz that what I suspect has maybe seen better days or is it in good nick? Oh, do you know what? Mechanically, it's absolutely mint. It's a gem. Good. Like, it's red, but it's gone pink a little bit from the sun. There's a couple of dents on it, but honestly, mechanically, it's so sound. Fantastic. Well, they were were a great little car uh, in in the set. So so when are you leaving? What's the plan? Uh, Leaving tomorrow night. So we are going... We're going to stay in my friend's house in Wicklow and then we're driving to Belfast and we get the ferry from um, from Larne over to Carnrain yeah. and we're going up to the Scottish Highlands and then we have a couple of points that we need to hit up there then all the way down to the UK Dover to Calais then France, Belgium, Netherlands Germany, Prague there's a little like meet up for everyone competing in the rally so there's a little launch party in Prague and then we go through like Hungary, Slovakia, Serbia over towards Turkey, go to Iran, and then from Iran we kind of double back Armenia, and then finally Georgia. I'd say I think it's ten. It's just short to ten thousand kilometers. But how long do you reckon it will take? Say, we're planning to four weeks, so we have to be in Tbilisi in Georgia on this before or on the sixth of August. So we have a small timeline, literally four weeks. Right, and. You're obviously trying to raise money along the way. People can donate to the GoFundMe and it all goes back to, to Shane's treatment. Um, so it doesn't actually go to Shane's treatment. What we want to do is we want to raise money for the Irish Community Air Ambulance themselves because they're like Excellent. entirely charity funded. Excellent. So, yeah, and I thought it was an ambitious goal with a thousand euro and then the people of Cork and there's been some people abroad I know like they've absolutely smashed the goal in 24 hours Yeah, and we're now like 1,300 I'm looking at it I'm absolutely. looking at it here now 1,300 and you only launched it when? You only launched it a couple of days yesterday the day before uh, one of these lads has dropped yeah I'll, I'll take that up there verbally Fergal um, thank you to uh, to Ryan and give our best to Shane and thank you also to Owen they're heading off tomorrow night to drive a little 1.2 litre Honda Jazz which has seen better days even though mechanically it's perfect they're going to drive all the way to Georgia to Tbilisi in Georgia they have to get there by the 6th of August they have to be there on or before the 6th of August and they're using the drive to raise money for the Irish Community Air Ambulance. That was my mistake. I thought it was for Shane's recovery. No, Shane's making a good recovery and great to see. Long, hard road ahead of him. But great to see him recovering. But for the Air Ambulance, but for the Air Ambulance, he wouldn't be here at all. So they're going to try and raise as much dosh as they can. The GoFundMe, since they set it up, is currently at 1000 317, if I refresh it, yeah, 1,317 euro. They thought they might make a thousand. They're going to spend the next four weeks driving to Georgia to raise money for that uh, helicopter service. Okay. Uh, you want to bring Owen back in again, do you, Fergal? You, you're, still, you're still there, Owen, are you? No, I'm okay. You're there, Owen? I am, I'm still here. I, I, thought, I thought, I'd lo- thought I'd lost you. So the plan is to get there by the 6th. That's correct, yeah, by the 6th. Okay, and you have some prizes, I think, as well, you want to give away. 
I do, I do. Yeah, I got cut off there. I was panicking. I didn't get a chance to talk about it. Not a bother. So right I thought the line had dropped. Um, yeah, so we've actually, look, we've got such help from loads of sponsors to give us stuff for the rally. So like Carey's Tool Hire and Wayne's Company, Profix Auto Services and Denny Center Fitness and Automania Melancholy and Zealous Facility Service. They've given us so much stuff for to support us on our journey, like uh, camping gear and tools and tires and w- rage plates and welding the roof rack. But the best one I have, I think, um, and this is brilliant. So suit distributors up in Ballycreen Industrial Estate, up off the airport road. My good pals. Good so people. I was, yeah, Dave up there is brilliant. So I, I was up there on Tuesday just getting a suit fitted for a friend's wedding and he's getting married in a couple of months, but I have to go early because obviously I won't be here. So I was just chatting to him about what we're doing and why I won't be here. And he said, that's a brilliant cause. I'd love to support it. So what he's going to do is he's actually going to give two tickets to the first Premier League game in Old Trafford for the new season. So it's Man United versus Brighton. So he wants to give two tickets to the game. And for the two winners, or the two uh, people who win the tickets, he's going to dress them in chinos and a shirt from the award-winning Jack Doyle casual clothing collection. Nice, 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 nice. So um, what I'd like to do is everyone who donates to the GoFundMe page, We'd like to get them all, put everybody into a raffle. And, okay, that's and a, then that's a we'll randomly pick out a winner. And that, that's actually the easiest way to we'll do it. Get them the so everybody who donates to the GoFundMe uh, goes into the draw for that great prize from Dave at Suits Distributors. Best in the business, an old pal of mine, and a decency personified is that bloke. So I'm delighted yeah, to hear Yeah, very, that. very nice man, yeah. Deli- delighted to hear that. Great. So you're off. You're off tomorrow. I'm off tomorrow. Who's, I have a to-do list you, about. Who's going with you? Myself and my sister are driving to Prague, and then her boyfriend, who's part of our rally team, is flying to Prague. We'll meet him on the 16th and pick him up, and then we'll do the rest of the journey. So the three of us, three people, a bit mad to take this on. Yeah. <laughs> well, where and where are you going to put all we'll this? Probably be. Where are you going to put all the spare Go tires and all the toolkits and everything that you're going to have? Oh, you should see the, the jazz. We have a huge van roof rack up on top of the car now, welded by Automania, and it's solid. It doesn't, it looks, it doesn't look pretty, but it's, it's. <laughs> oh, can, I, can it's, you send me a picture of that? I can, I can, and we'll, yeah, we're going to stick everything up on top of the car. Tires, jerry cans for fuel, backpacks, the whole lot. You're all bonkers. You're all mad, but this is a brilliant idea. Yeah. <laughs> Listen, that line isn't going to hold up. You have to be a bit mad to take them. I think you do. I think you do. And I think, you know, for the, the cause is magnificent. And it's great that they were, I mean, if it wasn't for the ambulance, Shane wouldn't be here. Uh, so that's what you want to do. You want to say thanks. You want to raise money for the air ambulance. The line is not great. But thank you for that. Owen Carroll heading off tomorrow night. Anybody donating to the GoFundMe qualifies for a great prize from Suit Distributors. They want to raise as much money as possible for the Irish Air Ambulance Service. The Irish Community Air Ambulance. Uh, just a minute. So, the GoFundMe is up. We'll share it. 
Thank you, Owen. Thank you, Ryan. Uh, good luck. And our thoughts are with Shane's recovery. 0818 96 96 96. I, I did tell you. Oh, I'll tell you who the... There was a meeting in Leinster House yesterday when, when Michal was over in uh, in Kiev at the invitation of President Zelensky. Uh, while the um, cats away, the mice will play, and the mice gathered in a room in Leinster House. It's on the front page of the Irish Daily Mail today, where they report in day of turmoil, anxious Finnafal TDs meet in secret, gathering of backbenchers, a worry for Martin. There was three Cork TDs at that meeting. I'll tell you who they are before 10. If it is a thing that anything starts to happen uh, outside the door of number 10 Downing Street, or if Boris should happen to present himself in front of a microphone, we will go live uh, to our friends at Sky News and see what uh, he has to say. So don't worry, you don't need to watch any television. Just stick with us, and if Boris goes, you'll hear it here first. Pride Vibes, by the way, is live on the Cork's 96am app just now. It's our new online radio station, the biggest hits, and shines a light on Irish life with conversations about the issues that matter. We're counting down to parades and celebrations across Ireland. You can stream it on the website, 96.ie, or on the app, or it has its own website, pridevibes.ie. And Pride Vibes is supported by Voltrol, the joy of movement. And you can listen live now <clears throat> with Cork's 96FM. I'll tell you who they were. So the Sun is reporting... Or the, sorry, the Daily Mail is reporting this morning that yesterday when Michal Martin was away in Kiev uh, with President Zelensky that a group of TDs met in secret a secret, my backside, it's on the front page of the Irish Daily Mail uh, met in secret at Leinster House a gathering of backbenchers worried about the fact that he or what they think he is a bit of a bucket list Taoiseach and he's only ticking boxes for himself before he steps down in December and that they don't think it's a good idea for the party that that's how he's going to see out his time in the Taoiseach's office and they were having a so-called secret meeting now Barry Cowan was there do you remember Barry Cowan and himself and Michal clashed swords at the start of this particular uh, administration but there were three Cork TDs at that meeting yesterday Uh, Cork East's James O'Connor, the baby of the doll, was at that meeting. Padraig O'Sullivan of Cork North Central was at that meeting. And West Cork TD, Christopher O'Sullivan. According to the Irish Daily Mail, they all attended that meeting yesterday. <sighs> Boris will be gone by the end of the day. I somehow think Hall is a bit safer than Boris, to be sure. Oh, and speaking of uh, politics, John is very annoyed that the DPP decided uh, not to prosecute Leo Varadkar over the leak of the GP contract. This would be unacceptable in private business. Anyone with thoughts on that, they're welcome at uh, 083 396 The DPP clearly decided that they didn't have a case to pursue against um, Mr. Varadkar, that just would appear to be 
the story. Ready to go. The Corks 96 FM Best of Cork Awards are back. It's time to nominate places and services that are the best in Cork. Best in Cork. From best beauty salon to breakfast. Best takeaway to gym. Hairdresser to hotel. Best bar to best local tradesperson and more. See 96FM.ie now to nominate. Then stay listening. It's about damn time. The Best of Cork Awards with localheroes.ie for trusted tradespeople with a 12-month warranty backed by Board Gosh Energy. It's about time. Only on Cork's 96 FM. Tipper Graham Norton's back in West Cork at the moment. Um, he always does this for his summer holidays and he's been using the C103 studios in Bandon to do his Virgin Radio show. Uh, from West Cork uh, over the summer. He did that the last couple of years as well. But also while he's there, he has lent his support to uh, a campaign for better care for people with Parkinson's. And and the reason being that Graham's own dad, William, uh, died of Parkinson's uh, in the early uh, noughties. And it hit him hard, as you can imagine, that it would. Uh, the Cork Parkinson's Association is trying to gather support for more services, more nurses, more support for people with Parkinson's. And Graham, while he's home for the summer, has lent his support to that. Tony Wilkinson is head of the Cork Parkinson's Association. Morning, Tony. Good morning, PJ. Thank you for having me on the show. He's a nice guy. Uh, he, he doesn't lend a whole pile of muscle to everything, but when he does, he puts his everything behind it. That's true. Um, he's been very supportive of us over the years um, uh, in sort of various ways. And yes, he's got right behind us with this campaign. Um, we we spoke to him about it. And basically, we've, we're in a situation where Cork, we actually have nothing. So the county our size, the second city, and in CUH, we've been waiting six years for a replacement consultant. We have now no Parkinson's nurse because the one that was at St. Finn Bars um, was moved on to another post. So we are bereft of any sort of real services for Parkinson's. That's shocking, Tony. I wasn't, I wasn't aware of that, my friend. I was not aware of that. That's stark. It, it, it is, and it's um, it's not fair on people with Parkinson's. It's it's a really difficult c- condition to deal with, mm. you know, having to live with it. And there are about 1,200 people in County Cork with Parkinson's. And you're, you're, you're one yeah. of them, Tony. How's, how's your own health? Like, how does, for people who don't have Parkinson's or don't know what it's like, mm-hmm. like, how does Parkinson's affect you? You're having a perfectly good conversation with me right now, but how does Parkinson's affect you? Well, people know the visible aspect, the tremor and the walk, but then there's the non-motor um, neuron aspect. So, like last night, I got very, very little sleep. Um, I have huge pains through the night, through leg cramps. I wake up and, you know, I won't deny it. I'm sitting on the side of the bed crying with with pain. Okay. And it's, it, it is very difficult 
And again, it's, um, it's a condition which is difficult for consultants to actually diagnose because if you've got 20 of us together, we would all show different symptoms. Yes. So there is, there is not one thing that actually defines Parkinson's. You and know, and who, when when there isn't a nurse, Tony, and there isn't a consultant, and and you have a bad night with your legs, like you said, is is that a form of restless leg syndrome? Is that what they call it? That, yes, there is restless leg is part of yeah. the Parkinson. Who helps you? What can you do? Well, um, well, we <laughs> there's nothing really, and I can give you an example of how it should be because I was diagnosed over in the UK. And over there, within two weeks of being diagnosed, a Parkinson's nurse comes to your house. So mine was Stephanie. And then she is my point of contact the whole time. And I have a phone number and she is looking after 299 other patients. So the ratio is one nurse per 300. So in Cork, we need at least six nurses, and we have none. None. You biggest know, biggest county in Ireland. And no, and no consultant for your doctor to refer you to see. Oh, my goodness, no. Um, a few years ago, I had a stroke, and... When I woke up, the consultant that was looking at me was the consultant who was treating me for Parkinson's. And she said, well, actually, I'm a stroke specialist. That's my field. So what's happening is consultants, neurologists, are are having to pick up the fact. So there might be a stroke or an epilepsy or whatever. But they have to then pick up and look after us people with Parkinson's. And it's not, not fair on that consultant because that's not their... They have enough to be doing anyway. Yeah. And, you know, uh, I, I don't wish to be flippant, but it's almost like when they have the surgery on Tuesday, it could be um, they gather up and then it's the flick of a coin. Okay, you have the Parkinson's group today. And that's how we feel. That's not that's not flippant at all, Tony. If that's if that's how you feel, and if it's such, it's if that's. I'm sorry. No, I'm going to say this that that an an, an absolute disgrace that there is no nurse in Cork and no consultant in one of our major hospitals outside Dublin. In fact, the major hospital outside of Dublin I, I, has I no consultant, you. and you have no nurse. That is an absolute disgrace. You've been to the Doyle, uh, was it yesterday or is it today? That's right. We went to the Doyle yesterday and um, I had the chance to speak with Stephen Donnelly, the Minister for Health. Yes. And it was um, Christopher Sullivan um, who uh, arranged that. Your local TD. Yeah, uh, my local TD. And he... I spoke to him and I explained the situation and, you know, I said, you have Schleifkare, which sounds brilliant, but where is it? 
working in the community is what these nurses should be doing. Yeah, they should be and on they're the saying, Yeah, that is what we're after. But it's all well and good saying we want this. Well, action it. Show us something. Yeah. You know. Make it happen. Now, Make it happen. This, oh, sorry. You're okay. In this coming budget, um, PJ, we have been promised, we've had promises before, but this particular budget, they have promised 20 neurological specialist nurses for the whole of the country. Right? So we've looked at that and we've divvied that up. So six of those specialist nurses, and they can be in any field, should come to County Cork. Okay, and that's what you want to happen. And, yeah, and out of those six, two should be Parkinson's nurses. Okay. Tony, for for no reason other than time, I'm going to have to pause it with you there, but I promise you, my friend, we will speak again because I am horrified, horrified, that for, for all the people in Cork, and I spoke yesterday with Rochelle, who had it diagnosed very young in her 40s, you can get this disease very young. There is no specialist nurse and there is no consultant for Parkinson's in all of County Cork. That is an absolute disgrace. The lines are live. And we're ready to talk. Can we just talk? Call 0818 966 96 Someone just texting in there, who cares if Boris Johnson resigns, what difference will it make to you or me? Probably nothing. Probably nothing. But I think it's, you know, it's our nearest neighbour and it's a Prime Minister being pretty much bundled out the door. The number at the moment is something like 50-something members of his government. What's the number? I'll get it here. 59 members of his government, 59 people with government jobs have walked away in the last 36 hours and there's a saying that goes if 10 people are telling you you're dead you should probably lie down well if 59 people are telling you you're dead you should probably be gone long go but it's just, I think it's just fascinating to watch what's going on over there uh, 0818 96 96 96 on the kids in the cars Mag says great advice from Victor Shine I'd never leave my kids in the car even for a second I kid you not, though, I actually saw a so-called influencer posting on Instagram the other day. She called out the guards because she locked her purse in the car. She did what? Called out the guards because she locked her purse in her car. You know what? Bigger fool, the guard who went out and and gave gave us um, oxygen. But then again, the guards can't exactly refuse either, can they? Thanks, Mags. 0818 96 96 96 as regards Parkinson's and the total lack of services, the shocking lack of services uh, according to Tony no nurse, no specialist nurse for Parkinson's in Cork and no consultant dealing specifically with Parkinson's in Cork. Antoinette says nothing surprises me anymore with the way the HSE is run, purely incompetent people with serious illnesses have been neglected every day of the week and the bosses just seem to sit back and let it happen. 0818 96 
9696. Your text to WhatsApp is 083 396 And your email is opinion at 96fm.ie. Your voice messages welcome always at 083 396 If you have more to say to us, then you can put into a text message or a WhatsApp, but you might not necessarily have time to make a phone call, just pop it in in the form of a voice message and we'll get your voice to air with your views. 0818969696. How much do you like to be liked? I think we all do. I think it's part of the human condition that we like people to like us and we like to feel that we are liked and we like to feel that those around us think we're decent people. And sometimes you work a bit harder than you possibly should to make sure that they do. At what point do you become a people pleaser? Because there's a difference between being just a nice, obliging, decent individual or being a people pleaser. Somewhere in between, it becomes a problem. Uh, Let me talk for a little while about this and have a think about your own people-pleasing habits. We'll talk about this with Keelan O'Dwyer, who's a behavioural psychologist from Fettle.ie, which is an online therapy site. I guess it is in the human condition, Keelan, isn't it, that we, we, we do like to be liked. Good morning. Good morning, PJ. Of course we like to be liked. We're social creatures and it's wired into our DNA. And our need to be liked and accepted has an evolutionary function. When we were hunter-gatherers, we needed to stay in our group. And we used to be in small groups of six. And to survive, we needed to keep connected with the group and feel accepted by the group. Because if we didn't, we'd be kicked out of the clan and we'd be left in the wilderness alone. So without a certain amount of wanting to be liked or people-pleasing, as you say, you and I wouldn't be sitting here having this conversation this morning as our ancestors wouldn't have survived. Mm. We, we all make that effort um, you know, t- to make ourselves liked, but it can become a problem, can it? Oh, of course it can. So if you feel like people-pleasing is getting in the way of you living the sort of life you want to live, if you're feeling burnt out or you're neglecting yourself or becoming disconnected from yourself and if people pleasing is getting in the way of you having genuine relationships with others then these are signs that you might want to examine and begin to change those behaviors yeah is it a part is it is it your nature or is it part of a wider thing are some people more likely to be people pleasers than others do certain do certain professions require us to be people pleasers are we brought up to be? Can it depend on how you were brought up? So there are different issues that influence people pleasing. So a predominant one would be our past experiences. So if you've had difficult, painful or traumatic experiences, this can play a role in people pleasing. So, for example, if you're bullied at school or by a group of friends, you may begin to try to please others and be as agreeable as possible in order to avoid triggering abusive behaviours in those around you. So the people-pleasing can act as a form of self-protection or perhaps people-pleasing was a way that you got love and affection as a child. 
For example, you may have had a cold mother who could be quite neglectful and dismissive and growing up if you did the chores or if you acted in a way that was pleasing to your mother, that they showed you love. And then you may cultivate a belief around that. And that belief could be in order to be loved, I need to be in service of others. Mm -hmm. And so you can act on those beliefs and those people-pleasing patterns can follow you into adulthood in your romantic relationships and friendships. But also the workplace, of course, our environments can reinforce people-pleasing behaviours. So generally, we think people-pleasing has its roots in childhood, but in some cases, it can appear in adulthood quite commonly in the workplace, especially if you work in an organisation that rewards that behaviour. And a trend I've noticed, particularly over the last few years, is employees saying, I'm burnt out, I need to stop going overboard and work and helping my team. But if I don't go over the top, I'll be passed over for promotion because what they're noticing is their peers and their managers who are going the extra mile are progressing. And then we see that and we begin to mirror that behavior. And then over time, it becomes a way of being. So environments can play a huge role in people pleasing as well in regards to compassionate roles, such as being a nurse or a caregiver. It's important to, while it's important to have those qualities, that kindness and caring, especially when we're looking after others, it's so important that we take time to practice self-care for ourselves mm. and put ourselves first also. And then we have more to give to others as well over time. That's the interesting thing about people pleasing. Once you actually fill up your own cup first, you've so much more to give to others yeah. long term. Do people pleasers, Keelan, sometimes take on extra work or extra tasks or stuff that isn't theirs to do just to keep themselves, to keep people happy with them? Yes. So what usually happens is the people pleaser may be triggered. So common triggers for people please include kind of fear of rejection. So in that case, you might be afraid to say no to a friend because you're afraid they might reject you. Typically, people pleasers fear conflict with others. They want to fit in. They want others to be nice to them. Again, that's a self-protective function of people pleasing. And people pleasers generally want others to be happy and they can feel uncomfortable if they feel that others are unhappy. And there's a huge link between people pleasing and perfectionism. So when we want everything to be just so and perfect, say, in work with our family, this can also extend to our relationships also. So sometimes to avoid, usually people pleasing, it's to avoid something that we perceive as negative, be it that fear of rejection or fear of conflict, so on and so forth, and that can drive our behaviour. Mm. Bending over backwards to keep a positive atmosphere or avoid any form of conflict. At what point does it become problematic for the individual? It becomes so, usually what I find with people pleasing is it becomes problematic and usually when people seek help is when the long-term consequences of that behavior outweigh the benefits. So the example I gave earlier, you start in a new workplace, you want to do well in your job, so you're a super team member, you help everyone out, you go above and beyond in your job, staying late, your team loves you, you're climbing up the corporate ladder, you may have gotten promoted and compliments off your boss. 
but that's not sustainable long term. So then you begin to find that you're lacking energy to connect with your partner when you come home from work. You feel tired and burnt out all the time. You're falling behind in work now and your own performance is impacted and your partner saying, I don't have much time for your late nights and you just don't have the energy to connect with your children. So as you can see in this example, there's a departure point where this employee has went too far mm. and this people-pleasing behavior, it isn't making their life better anymore. It's actually making it worse. Their health is affected. They're missing out on special moments with their family and their romantic relationship is at risk. So that's typically when change happens. And that's typically when we know we've went too far. If if the people pleasing is taking away from us having the sort of life we want to leave, lead and we're missing out on what, what's important to us, that's when there's a huge signal that it's it's time for change. So how can you change? How can you stop doing it? Any advice? So tips I would give to people, so just to be aware that People-pleasing behavior, it's one of the most difficult behaviors to stop because the payoffs are enormous. We get compliments. You know, we are looked up to by others. There's so many rewards we can get for it. So where I will begin is to say no more. And a really simple way to start with this is to say no to requests by text or email. So say, for example, your friends put in the group chat today, oh, let's go out for dinner tomorrow, but you have a lot on and you don't really want to go. Just start saying no there. Say, oh, sorry, can't make it tonight. Have a great time. And then build on the behavior from there. It's easier to say no to people that we, we aren't connected to. So if a cashier tries to upsell to you or tells you about the special offers, just say, I'm no in- not interested today, thanks. And then build up to saying no to small requests from family and friends. Another really important tip is to, where possible, stall for time. So people pleasers have a habit of saying yes right away. So, for example, if your colleague comes up and asks you for help with something, say to them, oh, I need to check my calendar and get back to you. Taking the time to respond to a request can give you time to evaluate and decide whether it's something you truly want to do. So research has found by taking a short pause before making any choice increases our decision-making accuracy and we're more likely to do what's best for us when we have time to evaluate our options. And the last tip is to prioritize yourself more. Hmm. If we've been people-pleasing for a long period of time, we can become disconnected from ourselves and there's a huge correlation between people-pleasing and feeling burnt out. So a simple way to start is just by carving out time to do one kind deed for yourself a day. And when you're doing that action, really tap into the intention of kindness underpinning it. So a lot of research has been done into this. Something as simple that you may take for granted as taking a bath every night. When you do it with the intention of kindness underpinning it, the the effects are heightened and it improves your levels of self-compassion and it helps you to begin to build a more nurturing relationship with yourself, which will help you over time. You know, I used a a word in introducing you there Keelan I said we like to be thought of as obliging people and it's one of the nicest mm. things you can say about a colleague oh, a very obliging chap or very obliging <laughs> right? you don't want to turn oh, you don't want anyone saying oh what an unobliging so and so you don't want to go from A to B so how do you avoid that Yes, and I'm really happy that you said that because we are all or nothing creatures and it has been my experience, especially working as a behavioral psychologist, that when we first try to change a behavior, we can end up going too far the other way. Mm. 
So if your partner or your friend is trying to be less of a people pleaser, but they're perhaps taking it a little too far, know that that is part of the process and that tends to happen when we first try to change behavior, but that will dissipate over time. But if it doesn't, you know, you can have a compassionate word with them. But just kind of to remind yourself that being kind and caring whilst having boundaries and prioritizing yourself, all these things can exist together and it's not just one or the other. So if you do notice that you're taking it too far or you're being too assertive to a point where it's affecting your relationship and your quality of life, just ask yourself, how can I walk the middle path? So there is a way you can honor your needs, but also consider others. And of course, there is a middle ground for every situation. So what I would say to anyone who is struggling to kind of be somewhere in the middle is to stop and reflect for a couple of minutes and connect with that inner wisdom. So stop, reflect and connect. And the answers will come on ways to kind of compromise and be more balanced in your approach. Because like if you have a, a work relationship or a friendship, and let's focus on a friendship. Friendships mm-hmm. are based on the kind of personality that you both are. If you purposely start changing your personality, in other words, start stop being such a people pleaser, you could end up losing or damaging friendships. Could you? Yes, that is um, the kind of unfortunate side of this. But what I kind of say to people is to start small. Again, the small requests, build it up over time so it's not such a shock to people. But if someone is truly your friend, you'll want what's best for them. And it's always helpful to kind of share your goals with people who are kind and caring. So if you have a kind and caring, compassionate friend, be like, look, you know, I'm actually trying to be less of a people pleaser. Um, And what you'll tend to find is your true friends will help you. And then if, you know, relationships, they need to be reciprocal. So if you're not getting back what you give out, mm. then long term, it is it is best that that friendship in a, in kind a, of... A true friend should be able to turn around and say, actually, you know what? Yeah, you needed to do that. Yes, of course. And I've had many friends turn around to me and m- me, myself to friends and be like, look, I'm doing this. And what you'll find is your friends truly support you. And yes, of course, it is upsetting when you think you have a friendship with someone and it turns out that it's not reciprocal. But again, that short-term pain, long-term gain. There will be people out there who will love, appreciate and care for you. And you can have balanced relationships. So it's better to work towards that and focus on the relationships that are reciprocal than spending time trying to make someone else happy who doesn't really have your best interests at heart. All right. Keelan, thank you very much. Keelan O'Dwyer, who's a behavioural psychologist with Ireland's trusted online therapy site, fettle.ie. We all do it. Thank you, Keelan. We all do it. We all put ourselves out for somebody. And you're doing, you're, you're doing what you've said you're doing. You're like, I really shouldn't be doing this. I'm why did I agree to do this? Why didn't I just say I can't do this, I'll do it tomorrow? Why didn't I just say it doesn't suit me? Because that's what people pleasing is. You take on a thing, oh, yeah, I'll do it. Now that's great, no problem, of course I'll do that. Then you go, oh my God, why did I agree to do this? You've just been exercising people pleasing. Can we just talk? The Opinion Line with PJ Coogan. Text or WhatsApp now. 83 On Corks 96 FM.
Claire says to all the parents and people pleasing and fawning that comes up in adults, when children force when sorry, when parents force children to share before they're ready to stop playing with a particular toy, forcing your child to get out of the swing in the playground for a strange child, or making the older sibling fawn to the younger sibling in order to keep the peace, then you're people-pleasing. Just to add, we teach children to put others' needs ahead of their own, and I think the suggestion there is that we should actually put their feelings ahead of others. Is that what you're saying? We teach children to put other people's needs ahead of theirs, and we should try to do it the other way around. But there's a good point. Weren't we talking a week or two ago about teaching children to share and that it can be harder than you think. And that we mentioned, remember, Barney's old advice, Barney the dinosaur's old advice, sharing is caring. But maybe that's a bit outdated now. And that if you force a child to share a toy before they're done with it or give up their seat on the swing before they're done with it, then you're making them people please. Worth thinking. Super topic and super advice. Thank you. <laughs> On Boris, <laughs> I'd just like to tidy him up a bit. Yeah, um, the best description, I was listening to a programme um, last week, the week before, a phone-in programme, uh, British Radio. When you're ready to pop the question, the last thing you want to do is second-guess the ring. At BlueNile.com, you can design a one-of-a-kind ring with the ease and convenience of shopping online. Choose your diamond and setting. When you find the one, you'll get it delivered right to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off your purchase. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Cats and cat owners deserve better than any old-fashioned litter. That's why I teamed up with scientists and veterinarians to create Pretty Litter. Its innovative crystal formula has superior odor control and weighs up to 80% less than clay litter. Pretty Litter even monitors health by changing colors to help detect early signs of potential illness. It's the world's smartest kitty litter. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. Hey, it's Ryan Reynolds, and I'm here with Keith, co-star of my upcoming film, If, only in theaters May 17th. Do you want to tell people the big news... All right, I'll do. It. Sign up now and you'll get unlimited for $15 a month in six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan on us. Mintmobile.com slash switch. Upfront payment of $45 equivalent to $15 per month. Unlimited over 40 gigabytes per month. Face lower speeds. Videos at 480p. Active Mint customers by 531.24 get six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan. Auto renews after six months. Offer ends May 31st, 2024. Separate Paramount Plus registration required. Terms and conditions apply if rated PG. Afternoon show and... <laughs> The best description I ever heard of Boris Johnson. A pile of unfolded laundry with a yellow tea towel on top. I just thought that was genius. Something that's happening next Monday evening. I'm sorry, Wednesday evening, uh, July 13th. It's in the Rochestown Park. And I've been asked to mention this. We talked about this with a guy called Don Carroll back in February. And it's a slightly 
complex if you're not involved in it. But water service workers are unhappy with what their bosses are doing. And they're meeting to discuss their service level agreement. Now, that is ending in January 2023, not as they thought it would, January 2026. And there's a lot of unhappiness among the workers. And this meeting is to discuss what they might do next. We did talk to Don Carroll about that back in February of this year. And as I said, if you're not directly involved, it's a bit complex to understand. Uh, Don did explain it to us well at the time. But there's a meeting on next Wednesday in Rochestown Park for anybody interested in that. 0818 96 96 96. Now, Megan Best joins me. We're a sustainable event solutions company called Native Events. Right. We're based up in here in Dublin. And we work with a lot of the different festivals and events across the country on a number of different kind of environmentally sustainable initiatives. Okay. And what what sort of festivals are you organising? Um, well, we do organise a few. We've been very involved with the Body and Soul Festival for the last number of years. That takes place in Mullingar or in Westmeath every year. Uh, but we also work as sustainability initiative partners for a number of different events. A good example would be the Pride Festival here in Dublin that took place there a couple of weekends yeah. ago. We did a big carbon neutral project with them, which was a big information campaign, a lot of data gathering, working out their carbon footprint and helping them to mitigate carbon emissions from the event. Yeah. And, uh, you reckon that, you know, your your line of work is providing a more event, environmentally friendly form of festival, is that it? That's it, exactly, yeah. It's working with all sorts of events organisers and festival organisers um, and a wide range of clients, really. We do a few different strands to what we do. We do, like, consultancy and strategy development, and that might be in the area of, as I say, carbon footprint analysis or waste reduction strategies, uh, pledges with... Uh, actually, we're working with Cork County Council at the moment on a waste reduction strategy for three of the festivals that are taking place there over the next couple of months. Yeah. The first one being the Yaw Medieval Festival at the end of July. And we're doing another few bits and pieces around the country at various festivals and events. But we also do our own event production and we work with a wide range of clients in that as well as um, we have a bit of uh, event equipment and infrastructure that we hire in. We've got some solar arrays and some batteries, reusable cups, all of different bits and bobs. I'm sure you saw the pictures after Glastonbury of the litter and the tents. Like, will we ever stop that realistically? Well, that's one of the things that Native Events is aiming to do is to try and change what that that kind of behaviour and what's happening at all these festivals. I mean, I've been in the industry now for nearly 15 years and I've witnessed firsthand at a wide range of festivals and events of different sizes that that are doing the camping piece and that there's quite a lot of uh, festival equipment, our camping equipment, tents, sleeping bags, clothing, food, cans, uh, camping chairs mm. that are left behind after all of these festivals. So we're developing a new initiative around that to try and address that problem. Mm. But I suppose we see this as a systemic problem, really, PJ. So it's not necessarily that there's any one person that's to blame for any of this. There is a huge amount of decision making processes that happen in the implementation of these festivals and specifically the campsites. Yeah. So we've, we're designing 
designing something to try and tackle that as a yeah. wicked problem, I guess. It's like when you, where you have a campsite and where you have a field with 30 or 40,000 people in it, litter is, yeah. or, or is it, inevitable? Uh, there's People tend to bring a lot of kit into campsites and they're living there for three or four days. Um, so they are going to be eating there, drinking there, sleeping there. So they're going to be consuming and using an awful lot of equipment and food and uh, serveware and all of these different elements. So it's not that it's inevitable, but it is a consideration of how all of those materials are looked after and processed post-event. There is a good bit of study. Like what do you do with all the waste tents, for example? People buy a tent for a, a, an electric picnic event or they buy a tent for independence or they bought tents for Glastonbury. They buy a tent for... Yeah. 40, 40 bucks, it's a pop-up tent, they sleep in it for the weekend, and then they leave it there. What can be done with those tents? Yeah, I mean, this is a huge issue actually actually for festival organisers. And again, as I say, I've been working at the co-face of this for quite some time because we have a huge amount of responsibility as festival organisers to return the land to its as-found uh, situation as quickly as we possibly can. And the reason for that is obviously we're under pressure from the landowners to get their fields back in order. Also, if there's litter and tents and everything left behind on a field, sometimes a wind will come in and it'll spread mm. that litter into neighbouring fields. So the cleanup effort gets longer and it's more difficult and more expensive. I've seen tents being blown up into trees and all sorts of things. Or the wildlife will come in because obviously they're attracted by the smell of food that's been left behind and as I say it just spreads. So in oftentimes the cleanup effort has to happen really quickly and that's why sometimes you see these images in the media of bulldozers coming in and yeah. just trying to come in and gather it up as quickly as possible. It's also, I mean, if you think about it, a really, really mixed stream. It's very difficult to segregate. You've got plastics and textiles and food waste and aluminium and all of these things in together. So the idea of trying to pull all of that apart and segregating all, all of that is mm. very, very difficult for festival organisers. You know? can, can you teach festival goers to be more accountable or to have more sustainable view of where they leave their stuff? I think you can. And I think there's a huge amount in this. And this is something that at Native Events we've been looking at in quite a lot of depth now for the last five years because we've really felt passionate about trying to change this and see what can be done. Like there's a messaging campaign and a communications campaign at the point of purchase when somebody's buying a ticket. So they're making that decision to go and camp at this festival. So there, that's the first point. It's like have a look at what's in the attic, have a look at what your friends have, maybe borrow something instead of going in and buying something new. Then there's also the idea of not bringing too much stuff with you to the gig. You know, they like, <laughs> I mean, I, I don't know if you've been to a camping festival recently yourself, not but lately, you see no. all of these people. <laughs> well, obviously over the last two years, we haven't had much opportunity now, but you see all of these people arriving and they're carrying huge bags of kit and they're dragging everything in and they're over uh, estimating what they're going to need at the weekend. So that kind of behavior change is, is again, at that purchasing of the ticket point of view. But also we need to start th thinking about the design of the campsite itself. People need space so that they're not in on top of each other. And one of the things that we're trying to initiate is that these campsites could be broken up into different areas with pathways in between, with really good lighting, really good security. And then people have a space to gather, but they're not in on top of each other. Mm. And creating that sense of community and communal gathering and yeah. safety and security is how you can start to see that behaviour change. Wouldn't you end up with a much more expensive festival ticket if that was what you're providing? 
you can look at it that way, but you're all, if we can get to that that place, then maybe we're going to start seeing reductions in the cost of litter pickers, the cost of those bulldozers I was talking about, the cost of the waste disposal. If we can encourage that more reuse and circular message, then you're going to start to move to a place where you don't need to spend thousands and thousands and hundreds of thousands on the massive cleanup effort that's happening. What what happens, Megan, lastly? What happens? And we know what happens to plastic cups and bottles. Hopefully they all get separated and maybe those that can be recycled will get recycled. But what happens to all those tents? Uh, we've done a good bit of research into this as well, actually, and we've been out to visit some of the big waste processing plants um, around Ireland. Generally speaking, all of this waste will be gathered up and sent to the SRF, that's a solid fuel recovery plant, and it'll be shredded down and essentially uh, sent to an incinerator, unfortunately. Okay, okay. Unfortunately, that's how it is. <laughs> well, here's hoping that we can change... Uh, how this how people's behaviour over a period of time. Na- uh, founder of Native Events is Megan Best. Thank you very much. That's what they do. Environmentally friendly options for festivals just kind of weren't really there, so they decided to generate their own options. Uh, thank you for that one, uh, Megan. Now the pictures after Glastonbury, and you know what I found so funny? I have to say I did. I threw back my head, and I laughed. Even before I say what I'm going to say, I know I'm in trouble, but. Do you know me? Sometimes I have to say it. Greta Thunberg spoke at Glastonbury and she was hailed by the crowd. They very taken with her message. They cheered and whooped and hollered at what Greta had to say. And then they left 160 tonnes of rubbish in the field. Like, what's going on there? Access all areas on Corks 96 FM. Your guide to nightlife on Leaside. Hi, it's Michael here with an update on Corks Entertainment. Shows coming up at Levis's and Bally the Hob in July include Bridget May Power, Lisa Hannigan, Peter Broderick, Tessa and Liz, Phil O'Pins, and more. While tickets have just gone on sale on their site for the legendary jukebox Gypsy, performing live at Levis's on July 30th. Access all areas. Highly revered psychedelic dream pop quartet Keeley released their first mini album in the wake of two acclaimed EPs in 2021. They also come to Cork for a show on Friday night with tickets available from cypressavenue.ie. Access All Areas. You can contact us here at Access All Areas if you have a show, play, or exhibition coming up or any live streaming events by emailing us at aaa at 96fm.ie. Access All Areas. With Harvey Norman and JBL, your specialists in sound. This summer on Cork's 96FM. Speaking of sustainable things, uh, I brought this up on the show a few weeks ago and I actually had to shut down the Twitter conversation on scooters and electronic scooters because people just started to have very bitchy arguments between themselves on it. But even this morning, coming in again this morning, and I... I had trouble finding a parking space when I came in, so to go around kind of a lap of the, the block to get a parking space. And honest to God, lads, the scooters down the footpath now. At one street I was on this morning, three of them, three of them in convoy down the footpath. Like, for goodness sake, you know, can we cop on a little bit like 
with the scooters. Um, poor old John was on the phone here a couple of weeks ago. I've been knocked down by one. I hope he's okay. I haven't been talking to him since. And I mentioned that someone had almost crossed me off when I was coming through a junction. And we discussed it on the programme. And you want to see some of the carry-on that, you know... But this morning, as I said, I just counted in one particular street I passed, a busy street, and I happened to be stopped at lights in the middle of it. Three of them, almost in convoy, down a footpath. Get off the footpath! Please! Oh eight one eight ninety six ninety six ninety six. Is she good to go there, Fergal? Just yet? Or is she good to go? I'll take the break. Okay. Sunday mornings, Corks ninety six FM brings you the Arts House. Interviews with actors and theatre directors, concert news and show reviews, live studio performances and festival roundups, exhibition info and the very latest film news. The Arts House. The Arts House. Sunday mornings, eight to ten. With Griffin's Potatoes, keeping Cork families happy and healthy with the new season's queen. Corks ninety six FM. Two of my favourite young people have been doing magic things uh, in the UK. I'm talking about the twins, Hassan and Hussein Ben Hafaf. They want to be Paralympians. And they're starting young. And they were away at the Disabled Sports England Junior Championships in Coventry in the last week or so. And they cleared up. Their mum, Angie, joins me. Hey, Angie. Hi, good morning, PJ. How are you? Good. They cleaned up. (laughs) Yeah, I'm still quite emotional, if I'm honest. It was just uh, a magical weekend. Exhausting, but absolutely magical. And what people don't actually know is the competition started on Saturday, the 2nd of July, over the weekend. And that was exactly 13 years to the day that I found out they were conjoined at my first scan. Oh, my goodness. So, truly was just a magical day to think how far they've come from finding out that day there was no hope of survival. Oh, my goodness, Angie. So, I was a wreck. <laughs> I can imagine, girl. Yeah. Yeah, so very, very proud. But it seems to go over the boys' head a bit. And and they've both had, well, they've, they've both had rough times medically of late. I take it they're fitting yeah. well again. Yeah, I mean, you in particular, you would have seen, I guess, that um, earlier in the year, in the end of February and March, Hassan went through, I suppose it was the scariest time for us since their separation surgery. That's how big it was. But he had two major surgeries in March and we were five weeks in Crumlin and he was in intensive care, very ill twice. And I was scared. I was really scared. And... um, you know, he'll have a full year recovery from that, like with his contact sport, because he also, you know, they also do basketball. But I didn't think that he'd be able to join Hussein competing, you know. But um, he did. He just, um, you know, he does his own exercises and his own bit of physio at home. And um, he was given, you know, the all clear because it's not a contact sport yeah. to um, go for it. And I really and truly didn't expect him to do as well as he did. And... Um, I'm just amazed, yeah. So they teach me a lot. They're inspirational yeah, they're, for me. They're tough as nails. <laughs> Even when they are, you know, down medically, they're, they're, they're so tough. And, and was watching your posts. I remember we chatted on Messenger and stuff. You yeah, know, yeah. Tough. The Rebel Wheelers, 
sports club. That's that's their club. Yeah, they do wheelchair basketball with the Rebel Wheelchairs and they love that sport and they love the club. And, um, you know, I guess um, five years ago, over five years ago in the Rebel Wheelers, they did uh, a kind of a taster session of athletics with two wonderful ladies, um, Sandra and Lucia. And that was just a kind of a course run for a few weeks. But it gave the boys the taste of javelin, shot push and discus. Mm-hmm. And um, when the course finished then, they wanted to continue it. And I was kind of thinking, how do I continue it? Because, you know, to date I can't find, um, you know, a sports club to take on the boys. Um, so how they've learned over the last five years and how they've got themselves to Coventry is literally every single IWA um competition that's going on in para-athletics and um, we just go all over the country we show up we learn from each competition over the last five years um, you have a wonderful man called Pat Furlong who kind of goes through a few practice shots with the kids before they participate so it's true that they've learned and um, I suppose you know what the weekend has shown me is like Hussein got gold um, in the javelin and they took home three silvers and two bronze as well. That's fantastic. So this is kind of after making me think, you know, please, is there a club out there that might take on two little boys, you know, see past the disability, yeah. look at their ability and, you know. Well, Andrew, I'm thinking. They're okay, hard they're, workers. They're, they're only, what, 13 now or coming up to 13. Yeah, yeah. And I'm thinking, like... There's an Olympics next year, then the Olympics in 2027. We're looking at two Paralympians oh. in training here. Well, they've shown five years of non-stop dedication to this and they love it. And you know what they love most about it? It's not about winning against anybody else. It's about winning against the brother. And what everyone loves is that every competition, the only question my two will ask, and they're quiet boys, they'll always say, what did my brother get? And everyone just loves it. And we all, you know, get a great laugh out of the two of them. But, uh, yeah, they're they're magic to just see them compete. I mean, we just can't take a rise off them. And the weekend, now I must say, was the icing on the cake after a really, really tough start to the year, you know? Yeah, yeah. Because I, I must say I was surprised that they made it. Yeah, yeah, I was too. And, um, like, you know, it was a long journey. It was about 14 hours over and back between, you know, the car, the ferry, the IWA bus, and we had just the most gorgeous team with us, you know. Um, we had IWA staff. We had five other wonderful athletes that joined the boys also um, abroad. Sorry, four other athletes. And they were from all over the country, you know, and uh, we had just a lovely team of people. Good. And um, the boys, I suppose, they're, they're also dying to delve into track racing. Nice. Um, so they tried track racing, I guess, about four years ago. And people were excited because they um, apparently their bodies, um, I'm told, are just perfectly made for track racing you know because they're thin and they have the long slender arms and hands and they gave it a go a few years ago and um, they astonished everyone I mean they have um, you know another Irish great um, athlete uh, Killian Dunn who's a track racer Um, he said that 
what they managed to do in just the space of a few minutes on track. It took him four months, he said, to My learn. Me. So, but Killian and his father, Larry, are ready and waiting to take on the boys to train them in that sport. But we just cannot get tractors. They're just, we cannot get our hands on tractors because they're so expensive. So I spent four years trying to um, uh, source tractors, but the boys are so small that anyone who's kind of grown out of tractors is still too big. I know, I know. It'll happen. It'll happen, Angie. Because the, these, thing, these things, these things are made to happen. Did you get a very special phone call while they were over at these games? I did indeed. So um, it was actually the night we came home, um, and I got um, a beautiful message from Pat O'Brien, who delivered the boys into the world all those years ago in London, and he's a fellow Corkman. And his mum and Sunday as well let him know about the boys. And I'm even welling up now even yeah. thinking of it. But this man brought him into the world. He, you know, saw us during the pregnancy. He knew that it was highly unlikely that they'd even make it to birth. And when he got in touch, oh my God, it just truly meant everything to me, mm. you know, uh, and to him. Yeah. You know, because they don't always get to see the happy endings like in... You know, where he works, it's always the kind of, um, you know, the scary births, you know. And uh, that was absolutely beautiful for him to take the time. Um, So I hope Edward Kylie as well uh, hears of their news. And um, no doubt, you know, we'll get in touch with him and let him know as well. Well, Angie, I remember being on hospital watch when it was all Uh, happening. I remember (laughs) it only, like it was only yesterday. And I'm so thrilled and yeah, give them a special yeah. high five from me and I'll see them soon. I will. And you know what? They truly, truly deserve this. So onwards and upwards now and all they want is to make Ireland proud. That's they're all. Do- they're doing that already. Angie, cheers. Thank you. The lines are live. And we're ready to talk. Can we just talk? Call 0818 96 96 96. Text or WhatsApp 083 396 96 96. Email opinion at 96fm.ie. The Opinion Line with PJ Coogan. On Cork's 96FM. Must remind you, our online station, exclusive online station, the Back Garden Festival. Still running. Still has all of the biggest hits from the headline acts of the summer. Brought to you online by Harry Norman and JBL, your specialist in sound this summer. You can listen on the app or go to 96fm.ie if you want to catch up with our Back Garden Festival. Still running, still streaming. More developments politically. Um, I see, according to Gavin Riley from Virgin Media, you know what happened last night in the Dáil? The government doesn't have a majority anymore now. Uh, it just has the bare amount to govern. In fact, it doesn't even have a majority after Joe McHugh uh, resigned the whip and voted against them on the whole micro mica controversy up the country where houses are literally falling down and crumbling around people. Joe McHugh voted against a government package of compensation for those people leaving the government. Very, very slim now. Very No, no majority at all, in fact. Just 79 votes it has now. Um, I see this morning, according to Gavin at Virgin Media, where Sinn Féin have now Uh, announced they will bring a motion of no confidence in the government at some point in the next week. He's supposed to have more details on that later on. Sure, you know what will happen there. The the government will turn it and vote confidence in itself. 
and a few independents on who they can still rely uh, will vote with them. So that particular vote of no confidence will go absolutely nowhere. Also reading about that meeting that took place yesterday uh, with the various members of Fianna Fáil from around the country while Michal was away. I reminded you earlier on that we had three Cork TDs attended that. Uh, James O'Connor from Cork East, Podrick O'Sullivan from Cork North Central and Christopher O'Sullivan from Cork South West all attended that meeting uh, yesterday in Leinster House, described as a secret meeting, but to the papers this morning, front page on the Irish Daily Mail, the Independent has published some more details of it now, uh, quoting an unnamed TD, an unnamed TD, who seems to be of the view that Hall Martin, who has never said this, by the way, but this unnamed TD claiming that Hall Martin will not stand in the next general election and that he actually wants to be Fianna Fáil's candidate for the presidential election when Miggledy uh, leaves office, which I think is in 2025. Hey, I don't know where that's coming from, but that's a rumour that was started by one of the TDs at that meeting yesterday. It's not the last we'll hear of it, I suppose. 0818 Now, I read a story of a toddler... Um, who become a member of Mensa. This kid is only two. Her name is Isla. And this story was in the Washington Post. Fascinating story. Her parents started, she had little alphabet blocks, as loads of kids do, you know. And she started to put the letters on top of various household objects. So, at two years of age, she put the letters C-H-A-I-R up on top of a chair and S-O-F-A next to a sofa. And her parents reckon that she's got a couple of hundred words at the age of two. And she has been admitted now to Mensa. And Mensa is the elite group for people in the very top IQ Bracket. Two-year-old, though. Anthony Phelan is chairman of Irish Mensa. Anthony, have you ever heard of anything like that? Good morning. Good morning, PJ. How are you? Very well, sir. Have you ever heard well, of anything yeah. like, that, like a toddler being admitted? How would you test a toddler to it for admission to Mensa? Yeah, so we'll say, first of all, PJ, like our... Um, you know, our, our test would be for people aged, you know, 10 and a half years and older. The, the standard test that we do in Mensa, that that's what, you know, the, the age group they would be valid for. Now, when it comes to somebody under 10 and a half years of age, where um, that would require kind of a more specialized test that would be done by an educational psychologist. And um, that would, you know, pending the results of that, then, you know, that, that child then may gain kind of admission to, to Mensa. Yeah. How does one get into Mensa? Yeah, so basically we, we would do tests now around Ireland, PJ, um, and typically we do them in Belfast, Dublin, and down in Cork. Um, and basically it's a two-hour supervised test, and there will be two separate test papers, um, various questions like numerical reasoning questions, uh, spatial reasoning uh 
you know, written comprehension questions. And it would be on the basis of a result in that, that, you know, if you got in the top 2% um, score in, in those tests, you would be eligible for Mensa membership. And what does Mensa membership entitle you to? Yeah, so we'll say when somebody does the, the test, you know, they'll get a letter telling them, you know, whether they've been successful or not in terms of eligibility. And if they are eligible, they, they can join Mensa then. And typically what would happen is that uh, they would pay kind of an annual fee and that might be, you know, around maybe 60, 70 euros. Um, and basically, yeah, they would get kind of a very professional produced magazine every month and, uh, that would have things in it like puzzles, news, uh, information about events that are coming up for Mensa members in their area. Um, there would also be kind of local newsletters as well, uh, as well as that kind of main magazine and um, special interest groups. So when you join Mensa, you have the opportunity to join. There's a load of different special interest okay. groups, a whole wide variety of topics. It could be wine appreciation, cookery, Right. You know, absolutely anything. So, so it's, it's 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 like a social club, really. Yeah, we were talking only a week or two ago, Anthony, about gifted children and and nurturing them and minding them. Um, like, do you think that children who are gifted should have their own social circles, their own little club that they can go to to meet like-minded kids? Yeah, well, well, I take it as a like as a general thing, PJ. Like that social side, of it, that social connectedness is hugely important for any child. Um, you know, regardless of of whether they're, they're kind of in Mensa or outside of Mensa. Um, and you know, just to put some context on it, I would say like what what any parent would want for their child is that they're you know happy and healthy going through life. Um, and, you know, we know, that, you know, a huge factor in that is, is kind of how socially connected people are, mm. um, n- not just, you know, the amount of connections, but the, the quality of those connections and relationships are hugely important as well. Um, and, you know, th- that's just such a huge factor. You know, we know that from the research going through life about being happy and healthy. Yeah. Um, you know, for example, you know, the people who are happiest with their relationships at age 50 um, you know, are most healthy at the age of eighty. So it's um, it's hugely important, and you know, you know, it's it's really important for a parent to think to to cultivate that in their their children. Yeah. Um. You know, from a young age, but and also to cultivate the awareness in the child of how important that's going to be for them going through life in terms of their happiness and and their health. It's really important to get that balance right. Yeah. Talking about those gifted kids, though, last week we, we learned that they get bored very quickly because they're in school and the classwork is, you know, they're, they're way beyond the classwork. So they get, they get bored. And sometimes when you're 14 and, and you're gifted, it's hard to be just 14. If, if, when, when a child comes into Mensa, I, I take it, Anthony, that you still realise that they're just a kid and they need to do just kid things. Absolutely. And, you know, we would say, like, at, at that age group, like, under 12, like, we wouldn't have that many members in Ireland. Like, it would be kind of, you know, less than 10. Right. Um, and, you know, they would be spread kind of all throughout Ireland. So, like, geographically, even, they wouldn't be very close to each other. But what we do have is, like, that we would have kind of um, groups for those uh, those children and their families. That, obviously, at that age, the parents would be very much involved, that they can 
you know, interact online with, with other, um, you know, gifted children and, and the parents of gifted children kind of elsewhere as well. And, you know, that interaction can be quite good. And, um, you know, so that, that's an outlet for them, really. And, and do you think that gifted children, Anthony... Um, and you know children who like you said there's only a few of them in, in, in Mensa but do you think that they do need just that little bit of extra help to deal with the gift that they have yeah like w- what you can find PJ is that like they, they can get bored easily um, and it's uh, you know it, it can be kind of a challenge to, to keep them you know, from that boredom as such and, and keep them entertained and engaged and things. Um, but, and you know, that's where really good parenting comes in and that's where, where that part of it is so important, just to create that environment where, you know, a gifted child can kind of grow and, you know, just see how important all the other aspects are as well. Like we spoke about that that social connectedness and, uh, you know, those those other human characteristics are really important for them as they go through life also. Is, is there a worry that sometimes they will deliberately du- dumb themselves down to be accepted by their peers? Yeah, possibly. That, that I'm sure that, that can happen in, in some cases, all right. Um, and, you know, like, and, and typically, like, uh, some people might think that, you know, at a very young age, like, that, you know, it's a bit of a golden ticket for a child like that, you know, that they've, they've got an exceptionally high IQ but in practice, what you can find, PJ, is that you know, even though somebody has a high IQ as they grow up, like something else can become a bit of a limiting factor for them. Yeah. Like they may have a very high IQ, but for example, um, you know, they, they they may not be very good at dealing with people. Yeah. And you know that that, that that's probably you know a huge factor in terms of uh, just to look at one aspect of a career success. You know, it, that ability to deal with people is is kind of a huge factor in that. So you could have somebody with a very high IQ, but they're just not very good at dealing with people. And as a result, then like that, that, that kind of may create a ceiling for them. I see. It's an interesting field. And I think you, you and the researchers we spoke to a couple of weeks ago about gifted children, you, you both come from the same hymn sheet that they've got to be minded, recognize their gifts, nurture their gifts, but mind them as well because they're just kids. Anthony, thank you, Anthony Phelan, who's chairman of the Irish branch of Mensa. No, I'm not. <laughs> I am nowhere near qualified to be men- a member of Mensa. Not at all. 0818 96 96 96. Ready to go. go, go. It's showtime. The Cork's 96 FM Best of Cork Awards are back. It's time to nominate places and services that are the best in Cork. Best in Cork. From best beauty salon to breakfast. Best takeaway to gym. Hairdresser to hotel. Best bar to best local tradesperson and more. See 96FM.ie now to nominate. Then stay listening. It's about damn time. The Best of Cork Awards with localheroes.ie for trusted tradespeople with a 12-month warranty backed by Board Gosh Energy. It's about time. Only on Cork's 96FM. No move yet by Boris. Uh, it, we know that, it, know that he will resign later today, but it'll be done in, <laughs> they're saying, a dignified manner this afternoon. Dignified. Not necessarily a word you'd associate much <laughs> with what's been going on in the UK.
political system for the last couple of days. But we'll see. And if anything happens before the end of the programme, we'll go live to Sky News. But we're not expecting that anything will happen this side of midday, probably after the dinner. They'll have to have the dinner first. He'll have to have the, the lunch in 10 Downing Street before he has to pack up and, and himself and Carrie have to move out of there. 0818 96 96 96. Now, with the weather improving, yes, it is. I promise you. And if I look out my window here, I can see the sky starting to clear off the coast. And Carla Weather, Alan has just put up a, a series of pictures as well. The sky is starting to clear off the coast and with a bit of luck we'd get some sunshine before the end of the day the temperatures will go up but what about stuff to do over the next couple of days you might want to go whale watching and where PJ might you go whale watching you might go off West Cork around Cape Clear Seamus O'Driscoll is the manager of Cape Clear Ferries would I see much in terms of whale activity Seamus, off, off, off that coast. Good morning. Well, actually, you say there's a tremendous amount of um, uh, whale and dolphin and basking shark activity um, around Cape Clear. Um, I mean, we see frequently, we see uh, especially minke whales, um, basking sharks a bit, well, a bit earlier in the season than this normally. And of course, dolphins then, uh, they can come anytime. And of course, Roaring Water Bay has a resident population of um, uh, porpoises, so, I mean, they're kind of basically around all of the time as well. And, of course, there's loads of seals. And you might be lucky sometimes to see otters. And um, the other thing I love to see, which is quite infrequent, but I love to see them uh, quite spectacular, are sunfish. Um, so, and obviously what's, what's then sunfish? there's other... I've, I've never, I've, so, I've never yeah, seen Yeah, they're them. amazing. They're amazing. It's like a big fish that, that kind of, it swims on its side. It's a huge, huge fish and it swims on its side. So you, that's why they call it a sunfish. Now, it's just, um, it's quite spectacular to see. So um, you can see all these things. Obviously, um, we run the ferries to Cape Clear. So we, we're not specifically, um, you know, going whale and dolphin watching. But mm. because there's so many on the route, uh, and because it happens so often, we know that people um, enjoy seeing them. So what we do is if, if there's anyone close by, we'll stop for a few minutes or slow down and let people, you know, get a good view. And, uh, and then we'll head off again. So it's kind of like um, if you're going to Cape Clear, which is a great place to go. And obviously around the fastness, um, we a lot of people like to go to see the fastness as well. But when you're on the way, um, it's, it's uh, on a day like today, particularly when it's so, so calm. Uh, and quiet. Um, the, the quieter and the calmer the day, basically, the more chance you have of seeing some some wildlife. Wow. Because of course, a lot of the time they're there, but you don't see them because the waves. Because of the waves. Yeah. So the 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 small, you know, the the calmer the sea, uh, the better your chances are of seeing something interesting. Yeah. Minky whales are big lads, aren't they? No, the minky is the smallest oh, whale, really? and they're the most common whale. They're, I think they're the they're second b- smallest whale. They're big? well, they're big. Yeah, that's <laughs> what I mean. Kind of thing. They'd, put they're this big. Way, they'd be bigger than the, you wouldn't mistake them for a dolphin. <laughs> no, no, you wouldn't mistake them for a dolphin. Uh, there's actually one species of dolphin that's big enough that you might, but they're they're not normally found around here. So um, no, no, you wouldn't mistake them. They're they're very very big. But obviously, there's the most of the other whale species are yeah. much bigger. But the great thing about the minke is that, as I said, it's it's they're they're very frequently seen around here. And um, it's just, they're great to see. And you can get a good view of them because they just come up and they're a little bit slower the way they come up and they go down again. So if they're anyway close, um, you kind of get a good view. Yeah. And, of course, um, I, 
One of the reasons, isn't it, that these guys come to the surface is that whales and dolphins, they are actually animals rather than fish. They have to breathe air, which is why they keep coming up. Absolutely. Um, yes, and that's why So that's why they come up. Um, uh, and when you're watching them, you kind of get, learn to know um, sometimes they're kind of a pattern. If you're watching for a while, then you'll see that the, 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 the minkies, for instance, you'll see they come up and, and then you'll kind of have an idea when they're going to come up again um, mm. because it's, you know, they're kind of very regular in what they do. So, um, but yeah, they're, they're mammals um, and um, very interesting. And of course, um, when you live out here in these parts, you know, I've had a, the opportunity to see them at co- close quarters mm. in all sorts of boats and vessels. And um, a, a great way to see them is to go kayaking as well. Um, you really? know, that's a, that's a great way. Yeah, you, you know, you, the, the ferry company, like you say, you go in and out to Cape Clear all the time. But are there other ways that people can get out to sea to, to watch... Well, yeah, of course, as I said, there are dedicated um, uh, whale and dolphin watching uh, boats, and uh, so the difference they will actually go, uh, they'll go looking for them, I suppose. So they won't, um, they'll, they'll, they'll kind of try to go where they, where they think they are or where they think they might be, and um, so they, they do that as well. And obviously, then, I mean, if you are into um, sea kayaking or anything like that, um, if you're sea kayaking long enough around here, yeah, you'll, you'll see, see everything there is to see. Is there a particular time of day or night like sunrise sunset that you'd see more well um i'm i I have not found that um basically what i have found is that um the the, it's the it's the the quality of the sea and the level the calmness of the sea uh that kind of uh, makes a difference so um the times that i we've seen like spectacular shows of dolphins uh and things like that has just been midsummer and um, I think some some of these species also they follow the they follow the sprat and there's you know they they follow one another so it also depends on on what's so a good idea if you're watching the gannets um, uh, dive uh, there's a good chance if you go in that direction you'll you'll see some um, you know m- uh, large animals as sure. well because the gannets are diving for fish and these guys yeah. are feeding as well yeah 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 so sometimes you just um, when you see a bit of activity at the sea. The first thing you might do is you might just follow that and uh, just to kind of see what's happening there. That's an interesting tip then. If you're if you're at if you're on a, in a boat or heading out, hopefully to see and safely, of course, to see activity, keep an eye on the birds that eat fish, and when they start diving, keep an eye on the water because something could well come up. Yeah, yeah. You just it, sometimes you know just one bit of activity will lead to the to to, to another. And um, so you just kind of just keep it. It's a good sign. And then, of course, there's some places there where you'll tend to see them um, for various reasons. Like sometimes um, between Cape and Shirkin, there's um, a sound, the Gasconon sound, and there's a good tidal stream that runs through there. And um, I found that that's a good spot uh, for dolphins. Again, I presume it's to do with feeding and, and stuff like that and, and the tides bringing, you know, whatever. But I've found that's um, a spot where you might see them more often than not. And I'm sure, well, more often than other places. Yeah. And um, th- early this year, um, there were some uh, basking sharks around for quite a They stayed around for a week or two. And yeah. again, they tended to congregate um, between Cape and Shirkin around the Gasconon there for some reason. So presumably they're plankton, plankton feeders. So yeah. presumably um, it was pretty good for them, uh, uh, you know, in that place at that time. They could, they could, it's a huge mountain and they, they could nearly swallow the boat, but all they want is plankton. 
They could. And of course, one of the things to, to, to mention to people, whether they're swimmers or, or kayakers or people who are going out, is to be cautious about these animals. And um, one of the things is um, people, you know, sometimes try to swim close to basking sharks. And it's not a good idea to go too close because even though they're benign animals, um, they do have a very strong uh, tail and they can flick it occasionally, uh, and they're not meaning to do any harm. But if you're in the way, it, it's, it's, it's not a nice place to be. So, you know, people should respect them as well and stay a little, stay you know, away. stay a sufficient distance away. Yeah, yeah. They're, they're And not big, to interrupt their feeding either. Yeah, they're big, gentle giants, but because they're giants, if, they, if just being normal beasts, they could hurt you. They won't intend to, but, but they could hurt they you. they don't intend to. Seamus, just... On the ferry itself, if and I haven't been, God, I have not been to Cape Clear in many a long day. And I keep saying every summer we'll take the trip out. How often a day does the ferry go? Well, we go four times a day from Baltimore and we go twice a day from Skull at this time of the year. And then obviously three or four times a week we'll also be uh, going around the fastness. So there's a, you know, uh, and so... It, 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 that's kind of when obviously in, in weather dependent yeah. uh, in terms of the fastnet but yeah so there's there's quite a lot of opportunities and for people some people um, for instance somebody who might have a bicycle or something um, they might some people might come from Baltimore and then go back to Skull or do it the other way around and do the cycle in between or if you have one way and that's a great way of seeing Roaring Water Bay because you're getting you know you're not getting to retrace uh, your route uh, you're go, you're, you can see it's like a, a mini cruise, so it's a it's a great opportunity. And are you online if people want to book a trip? Oh yes, it's 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 people should always book online, um, because uh, obviously if you book online, you know that you know, everything is you know we, we we the old days you know when uh, you'd have queues on the pier and then people would come down and uh, the people would be very anxious because they could see the queue getting longer and then they wouldn't know whether they get on the ferry or not. So you know it's actually when you're going out on a, a day out, you want to enjoy yourself. And you don't want the anxiety of, say, driving all the way to Skull or Baltimore and not knowing if you're going to get on the ferry or not. So it's always best uh, to book online and then, you know, uh, you can rest assured that you, you have your space on the ferry then. Excellent. All right. Listen, I'm, I'm, I'm going to looking forward to this, going to Baltimore for a weekend in September. I may well uh, head off out on, on the ferry because it's, I've done it in years, have not been to Cape Clear in a very long time and a beautiful place I might call it and see Ed while I'm down there thank you uh, Seamus that's Seamus O'Driscoll he's manager of Cape Clear Ferries and Whales and Dolphins and Minky Whales and Sunfish now there's a thing that I imagine seeing one of those fellas more and more people heading away on holidays over the next couple of weeks but do not forget you can take us with you anywhere you are in the world you just need to download the app onto your smartphone or onto your tablet, or if you bring in your smart speaker with you, no matter where you are in the world, just tell it to play Cork's 96FM. And if you're missing the opinion, I want to catch up on our podcasts while you're away. They go up every afternoon. We start putting them up just after midday, individual parts of the show that we podcast. But then the whole show is available to you around the middle of the afternoon. Generally, any time between two and three, the the whole show goes up. But we've also got the individual podcasts of sections of the show, and all of those available on the Corks ninety six FM app, which you can download to your smartphone or your tablet. You can take us anywhere, and indeed, of course, remember WhatsApp being free, you can take part in the show from poolside 
anywhere in the world. Look forward to hearing from you. 0818 96 96 96. The Cat Club is bringing back uh, its very popular lunchtime and theatre and supper theatre programme. In fact, a couple of weeks ago, I was up at the Firkin Crane uh, during the Midsummer Festival. Um, I was there for Irene Kelleher's new play and somebody outside the door told me, do not miss one particular part of this programme. Dolores Mannion is artistic director of the Cat Club. And Dolores, I was told under no circumstances should I miss Indigestion by Seamus O'Rourke because Seamus stars in that play with, with Irene. You've got a good line-up this autumn. Good morning. We have a fantastic lineup, PJ. Absolutely fantastic. Delighted to be back with this year's season. Uh, yes, definitely Seamus O'Rourke is one not to be missed. It's uh, on, on Wednesday the 10th of August to Saturday the 13th of August. He's selling out throughout the country and this is his first time in Cork City with indigestion. So we're really looking forward to that. But the whole programme actually is fantastic. Uh, we started yesterday and we had a nice crowd in um, and it's um, Karen Casey with uh, The Woman We Will Rise and it is a beautiful um, show about very strong women in Irish history and she does it in such a gentle way. The audience came out and they were they were raving about it yesterday and that, that contains music and what, I suppose one of the things about the lunchtime supper season is we want theatre, and it's part of the thesis of Cork Arts Theatre, is to have people to be able to afford to come to theatre. Yeah. You know, we don't want theatre elitist. We want it for everybody. So every play can be seen for 10 euro. Wow. And, uh, you know, some people are paying 18, 20 euros to see some of the shows that are in uh, for the lunchtime season. So for lunchtime, we do Wednesday, Thursday, Friday lunch. And uh, we do supper on Friday evening and Saturday evening. And each play is only maybe 45 to uh, an hour long. So you don't have, you know, you don't want to be sitting in a theatre during the summer, um, you know, for long periods of time. So it's lovely like that. You can have your lunch for three euro and you can have your supper for 10 euro. So, uh, but that, that is, uh, that's up to yourself. Yeah. You can come and just see the play yeah. or, or have lunch. Isn't it fabulous, so, uh, Dolores, to be able to do these lovely things again? We missed it so much. Oh my, we missed it so much. And audiences missed it so much. And But audiences, you know, I suppose audiences for theatre are generally, you know, over 40. So we're finding it hard enough to get people back and what we're seeing is younger people. So it's great that we're seeing a new audience come in of younger people. But we're trying to, you know, we've made the Cork Arts Theatre as safe as possible and have, you know, done all sorts of things, putting in, um, you know, air air purifiers, all sorts of things to make it very safe for people to come into theatre. And we think that's important that they, they, they can feel relaxed when they come in. And, um, you know, but yeah, it's great to be back after COVID. We missed this. We'd been doing it for seven years yeah. prior COVID and we had really built up the audiences and it become so popular. And now we feel we're back to, you know, step mm. one. Well, maybe we're at step two, yeah. but, you know, it, it, it's a hard and we're really grateful for you to give us oh. uh, this time on radio. It's such a magic little theatre um, and I go there a few times a year it's, it's such a there's something really special about it it's, it's a lovely little place 
Absolutely, PJ. And I'll tell you, maybe I shouldn't be saying this, but if it's good, and let me tell you, every one of these shows are fantastic this year. If it's good, it's the best place to see theatre in Cork. If it's bad, well, maybe it's not the best place (laughs) because it's so... You're almost on the stage with the actors. You're part of a part of the show, you know, and that makes it, oh, makes it better. You know, like you're if you're watching a show, and particularly a lot of shows these days because they are expensive, have become one person shows, two people shows, even in the like of the opera house, you know. Mm. And if you're watching a one person show in the opera house, it can be hard, you know. Mm. But if you're watching a one person show at the Cork Arts Theatre. It's very different. It's it's it's, you know, it's alive. It bring it brings you, as I say, onto the stage, and um, yeah, no, it's re- it's really it's good and interesting. It's wonderful. Yep. And at some stage during the during the season, I, I will I will be along. But uh, good luck. Do try and get in. Good luck with the season, Dolores Mannion, artistic director of the Cat Club Cork Arts Theatre. You'll find their website. Uh, all the details are there. Lunch and supper and all of that available, or you just go to see the play. I can't remember who it was now who bumped into me outside uh, the Firkin Crane and said, under no circumstances should I miss that Seamus O'Rourke show because Seamus had been in the play with Irene at the new play at the Firkin Crane and he was magnificent. 0818 96 96 96. Can we just talk? The Opinion Line with PJ Coogan. Text or WhatsApp now. 0833 On Cork's 96FM. There are so many events happening this summer. We've had loads and loads of concerts. We just heard of the season in the Cat Club, which is already underway, and there are eight shows involved. And a unique event, too, is Cove Summer Spring, or Summer Swing rather, Cove Summer Swing, which is held during the liner season and it is entirely free. And it's set down on the prom overlooking the harbour in Cove and it's just a hundred metres where the festival venue is just a hundred metres from where the cruise liners uh, draw in. And it's been taking place since uh, since 2008. I'm joined by uh, Peter Kidney from Cove Summer Swing and Mike Badsley from Cove Edition, who's also involved with the Cove Summer Swing. I'll go to you first, Mike. Right. Good morning and, and thanks for being with us. Um, it's been going on for a number of years. The, the pandem- pandemic obviously put it on hold for a while, but now it's back. What can people look forward to this year? Morning, morning, P- morning PJ. Uh, thanks for the invitation here this morning. Um, as you said, yes, it's been going since about 2008. Uh, we did have um, a festival there last year as well, but it was uh, a bit rather toned down as opposed to the normal event. I suppose um, what people can look forward to really is an abundance of uh, live music, kids' entertainment, food stalls, arts and crafts. But uh, I suppose with the focus being on local local business and things like that when it comes to arts and crafts, but uh, music-wise as well, I mean, we've got a, a fierce array of uh, different um, types of music. We've got uh, trad music, rock, bluegrass, blues music, and also um, quite a few uh, local young singers um, who would be sort of performing... Uh, it, not so much like karaoke, but um, they'd be performing uh, sort of a, a more modern type of music. Uh, sure, DJ, you know. Sure, there's something there for all of all musical tastes, I guess. And, and absolutely, yeah, 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 absolutely. Um, so 
I, I suppose this year, well, every every day is a big day. It goes on every Sunday, bar two. Um, we make way for the Cove People's Regatta as well in August. But um, musically wise, uh, we have a lot of local bands, etc., etc. Um, but uh, I'd say 31st of July, we've got a big liner and there's about two and a half to 3,000 passengers on that. So mm-hmm. we've got uh, that particular day, I suppose, which would probably be the biggest day uh, for us this year. Um, we've got the likes of uh, John Spillane will mm-hmm. be uh, kicking us off as well. We've got a local girl, uh, Katie Foster, Katie Rose, as she goes by. Um, and of course, I suppose one of my own favourites um, is probably the best Irish folk songwriter in the country at the moment, um, Miles Gaffney. Oh, great, yeah. Good guy. So, uh, Miles was down uh, during, we got Miles down for uh, the Paddy's Day Parade as well. Um, so, very obliging chap, so Miles will be there that day as well. But, like, we have the, the, also the likes of uh, local musicians like uh, Dermot O'Rourke, uh, Brian O'Glenby, uh, Brian Murphy. Uh, Irish trad band there we have uh, on Gluanua which is this weekend we've got a band called uh, The Hitmen uh, that's uh, Brian O'Grady featuring uh, the wedding singer Ruth O'Brien fantastic wedding singer she is as well and we've got the harpist as well Miriam Long so you 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 literally have a a stellar lineup, all different kinds of music represented I bring you in here Peter at this at this point like the the liners are back and there's quite a number of them this summer I'm not sure of the exact number but it it must be great to have them back it it is great to have them back Um, and the town was very, very, very sad without them, to be honest. Yeah. So we're, we're making a special effort this year to try and pull out all the stops to make it work, you know. Um, obviously, we couldn't do it without the sponsors involved in helping us out. Um, Clark County Council being the main sponsor. Um, and just Credit Union, Dial Shipping. They only without their, their help, we couldn't actually do this yeah. every year. So we've, we've done it for a good number of years. So hopefully this year will be the best year ever. Yeah, yeah, and it's great to have everything happening and back, and and to go down and there's a huge liner in it. Just feels like you said, it's like it's like Cove is alive when there's a big liner in it. It's, it, it's great, Mike. There's food as there's well. A, yeah, go ahead, go ahead, Peter. There's a great connection too with the we've at Cove Connect. I mean, it's the people from the city really make the event as much as the liner. So we've got the uh, high speed railway now, which will be sort of in operation for the next couple of days and we also got Cove Connect so there's no reason why you can't come to Cove for the weekend that's great that, that's good for the, the, both the bus and the, and the train there's food as well a lot of food uh, on display Mike what 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 kind of stuff is there I'll have to give you back to Peter for that one uh, Peter's the food expert on that uh, PJ go ahead Peter what have you got <laughs> um, we, we've uh, we've left nine sausages you know the crusty, sa- crusty roll with sausage and we have Michelle's uh, coffee, cakes, all the, the sweet stuff. We have Ali's Syrian Bakery. Um, we have Sultan's Lebanese Street Food. Mm. We have pizza. And I mean, even at that, d- directly across the road, you have sea salt, you have the Commodore. So there's loads of opportunity for people to have a bite to eat. Like. Absolutely. It sounds like a, every, a real festival afternoon. And of course, if you get the, the bus or the train down, you can have a... A point as well. Just come back to the music, Mike. Can others get involved if they want to? Uh, absolutely, PJ. Yeah, yeah. Um, it's open to uh, everybody, really. Uh, more, we try to keep it as local as we can. And it, it, there's an email address there, or just contact us on the uh, Summer Swing 
Facebook page there, uh, Cove Summer Swing, or there's an email address available there, covesummerswing at gmail.com. Uh, those emails are picked up, they're looked at. Um, obviously, everything goes uh, well. Specifically, this event, is it has to be budgeted very well. And there's a lot of grants and stuff that, that you know, there's a lot of um, donations, etc., etc. And so, I mean, if if we had a, an astronomical amount of money, we wouldn't have a limit on the bands and the mm-hmm. musicians mm-hmm. that we have. But unfortunately, it, it, it is limited, and it's quite more so limited this year. And so we, you know, there is no selection process as such. Right. If anybody's interested. You can uh, get in touch there, go summer swing okay. on social media okay. or the email address. You know. Okay. Um, you need volunteers. I mean, nothing like this happens without a huge team of volunteers in the background, Peter. <laughs> That's right. Yeah. Well, obviously, we, as Mike was saying there, if they get in touch through the Facebook page, we'd be glad to hear of anyone that can help. You know, yeah. even a simple thing like getting the numbers that attend the event. We wanted the numbers um, last week. And it was 4,000, but we couldn't cover all the gates. And that was just the two gates that we could cover. You know what I mean? So if we had extra volunteers, we could do things like that. You know what I mean? 4,000 people? Yeah, 4,000 people. That was was two of the... There was another two entrances that we couldn't actually cover. Crikey. So on on a good day, it's it's a great event. Runs over multiple Sundays. And is the lineup the same every weekend or does it change? I mean, apart from the music... uh, they, as regards to the stalls, we, we do have a core group of stalls because it's easier that way for people and they would have their regulars clientele. But we obviously have stalls that come in on, on, a, on a daily basis as well. But mm. the majority are a core group, you know what I mean? That's, you've, you've animal stalls as well, I think, have you? Pardon? You've animal stalls as well? well we, yeah, we do. We, we have um, the Animal Roadshow. We try and include something for children. And this week we have the Animal Roadshow and they'll have snakes, rabbits, guinea pigs, small mammals. Um, and they'll be teaching ch- children how to handle them. And it's the education side as well as the entertainment. Excellent. You know, just get just getting people used to it. And the following weekend then we have the crab fishing. And we're, we get crab lines. We leave the children have a day out doing crab oh, fishing. great. That's great and we, fun. we provide the crab lines. We crab the, the, provide the bait. We provide everything. Only for the first hundred, obviously, we couldn't do any more than hundred. Yeah, that's that's massive fun. I remember fishing for crabs as a kid off a pier. It was great, great fun. Listen, Peter Kidney and Mike Bradley from Cove Summer Swing. Enjoy the season, guys. Four thousand people there at one event last Sunday afternoon. Great to see it. Uh, Cove of a Sunday and you can up covesummerswing.com is their website that's it for today the programme edited by Fergal Barry produced and researched by Richard Vickery and we shall see you tomorrow Friday come round again thanks be to goodness see you tomorrow just after nine Sierra Delta Cartu, Annie and the Chopper, or Chopper Nari. How are you? I tell you one thing, women don't like chatter blinds. No? They just want honesty. Just be honest with a woman. Approach them and be straight up with them. How's it going? Name's Annie, six kids, four mams. I've done more sentences than Shakespeare. (laughs) I leave the toilet seat up, but I'm likely to let you down. Casey and Ross in the morning with Noel DC Cars Blackpool. Exclusively Skoda in the city. Find your next car online at noeldc.com. Open 24-7. Ports 96 FM. 
When you make decisions for your company, you look for the no-brainers. And if you have a lot of mailing to do, Stamps.com is the ultimate no-brainer. It streamlines your processes to make your business more efficient, which makes you less busy. Mail checks, invoices, legal documents, and everything you need to keep your business running with Stamps.com. Seamlessly connect with every major marketplace and shopping cart. Schedule package pickups and see your cheapest and fastest shipping options from different carriers. With rates up to 89% off USPS and UPS rates. And with the Stamps.com mobile app, you can take care of mailing and shipping wherever you are. Make the same no-brainer decision as over 1 million other businesses with Stamps.com. Sign up with code PROGRAM for a 4-week trial, plus free postage and a free digital scale. No long-term commitments or contracts. That's stamps.com. Code program.